Hello and welcome to Page Parlay. This is a show where we speak to authors and experts. Today we're speaking to Daniel Hess, a poet, filmmaker, and the author of Just a Boy Blaming Himself. Thank you very much for coming to speak to me today. Of course, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Not at all. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about your personal journey to poetry? You know, I really started writing poetry when I was young. When, uh, unfortunately, when I was ten, my cousin, who was also my best friend at the time, uh, passed away from cystic fibrosis. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that happened, you know, it was a long journey. He was in a coma for a few months before he passed. So it was a, a huge kind of traumatic experience for me as a, as a kid. And so poetry sort of became this place where I could just get feelings, get thoughts out and just sort of write down, you know, what I was experiencing and everything. Mm. And uh, so that was sort of my barrier to entry into it, you know, because growing up in like a, a small town with a more kind of like blue collar sort of community, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly like, the most manly (laughs) masculine thing to be writing poetry and stuff. So Mm -hmm. uh, up until that point in my life, it was, I think it was kind of not shunned, but sort of like not looked upon as something a guy really does. Mm. Uh, But after that experience, you know, I I saw the value of it and, you know, and I wanted to before, but that was sort of how I got into it. Mm -hmm. And uh, over the years, it's just been one of those things that's sort of been there in the background and everything uh, but I'd really say, you know, in the last 10 years or so, it's it's finally kind of emerged again as as kind of a main source of just writing and, and getting things out for me. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. And it's such a, a wonderful thing to have in your life that, that came from something so profound and, and, and tragic in, in so many respects. You, you mentioned ideas about masculinity and uh, I think... Uh, quite a few young people are confronting the fact that gender norms no longer fit with their identities. Do you think that poetry is something that hopefully might be able to help people um, explore gender identity a bit more? I hope that, you know, as time goes on, you know, those sort of archaic attitudes, you know, fade away more and more. I mean, you know, where I where I currently live and have grown up, it's just it's one of those places where like, you know, even something as as simple as I drive a Prius mm-hmm. and you know, people will say things about that. You know, I've had people legitimately say things to me about that. Not a car and and just comments <laughs> like that. Like it's just it's crazy, but it it's it's still out there unfortunately. And if Poetry is one of those mediums that that people can come to and sort of explain like how they're feeling with their gender and and getting those emotions out onto the page and then sharing that with others. Because, you know, I think that's the important thing is that, you know, you don't be afraid to share these things. You know, if it, even if it's not publishing, if it's just posting something to Facebook or to Instagram or some kind of social media, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's important that we share these things because, you know, if I would have maybe seen someone like a male author writing poetry when I was younger, if I was exposed to that sooner, you know, maybe I wouldn't have been so kind of not afraid to write that stuff because, you know, it it sort of took that moment of, of severe tragedy 
for me to sort of cross that that line into that world. Um, so I think it's important that, you know, people from all walks of life sort of share what they're trying to do, uh, because otherwise I think you do, you're going to have people that are going to be afraid, you know, for one strange reason or another, whether that be where they live, their upbringing, all those kind of different factors. You chose to go through the self-publishing route. Um, uh, what Can you tell us a little bit about that, what that journey was like? Coming from a background mainly in film, I really didn't have any kind of basis or connections in the, the writing world as far as like even thinking about maybe trying to get it really like legitimately published by like a publishing house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really sat down and researched it. I mean, there's also a lot of things with like when you do sell your work to a publishing house, there's like issues of you might lose the rights to your work. They might be able to sell it. You know, mm-hmm. if it gets picked up for some kind of movie deals, you might lose a lot of money in that regard. So there's a lot of like strange factors of like legality going into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I sat down and, and sort of looked into like Amazon Kindle with the self-publishing and, uh, you know, at first it seemed pretty daunting, mm. you know, it seemed like, cause you know, you got to have certain specific document types to send to them and all those little things and formatting mm. correctly. Uh, but really like, as I researched it, you know, I, I kind of saw that the, the cost for you wasn't super duper expensive. And there's just a lot of, again, great people out there that, that help with it. Mm. Uh, and so what I found was I had, reached out and connected with an editor through Fiverr of all places. <laughs> and uh, he, he really helped me out with a couple of smaller writing projects that I was doing uh, in 2019. And when it came time to having all these poems, I'd put them all into a word document and he was happy enough to sit down with them and uh, help me go over grammar and all that. <laughs> and the next step was again, just Fiverr. And, uh, there's a, there's a woman on there that I found that does great work with, uh, formatting what's already written for paperback and also for the e-publishing. Mm. So reached out to her and she, she had free time, uh, and sat down and, and formatted it all for me and basically just sent me over the documents. And then all I really had to do was upload everything to the Kindle site. And then the next day they were approved and, I was ready to publish everything whenever I wanted to after that point. That's absolutely amazing. And how it it goes back to what we were saying about community. What an amazing resource to be able to, because even like 50 years ago, less than that, 30 years ago, could you imagine doing something like that? I know that's, that's, what's crazy. You know, I, I've had a couple people reach out to me about the process and, you know, uh, that's what I've said is just like, you know, it's fascinating because it has become so easy. I mean, there's people out there that are just, that's, that's what this woman does. She just dedicates herself to making these things happen because, you know, honestly, I don't know how I would have ever, I mean, I'm, you know, there's lessons to be learned in that stuff, like Mm. how to format a word document to a Kindle document probably. Mm. But I mean, who knows how long that would have taken me to do that kind of work. Mm-hmm. You know, because it even with her expertise, it still took her about like a month to do mm-hmm. the project. Mm-hmm. So I could only imagine someone coming into it without knowing anything like, gosh, that would probably take a, a long bit of time. You would notice it if it wasn't there. It's like it, you, if you look at a gravel drive, 
you don't notice that it's immaculate. But then when you see weeds, you really see the weeds. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Once you kind of break it down, it's like, oh my goodness, if I'm trying to do this all myself, it's way too much. But, Mm. you know, just through the democratization of the way that the internet works, (laughs) you know, it it makes things a lot easier to to sort of break down into the little segments. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's absolutely wonderful. Um, reading through your book of poetry is, it's a, it's a really lovely, almost meditative experience, I found. Very thoughtful, very contemplative. So what, what were some of your inspirations? I'd say one of my biggest like changing points in coming into poetry was, you know, when, when I was in college, uh, I took a creative writing class and there's a poet that was presented again i i i always say i wish i could remember this poet's name but mm. you know the the poetry i'd re- read was just this woman talking about the, her first sexual encounter mm. in the back of a Volkswagen bus in like the 70s mm. and it was very unfiltered it was very raw mm. and it was fascinating to me cuz up until that point you know, even in my own writing, I always thought there had to be this sort of veneer to it, you know, Mm. this like, well thought, not flowery language, but you know, pretty close, you know, like almost like a Shakespearean style to it in a way. Mm. And when I read that, I was just like, you know, wow, like this is, this is still poetry, Mm. but it's, it's not the poetry in in the way that I thought it had to be. Mm -hmm. So that was really kind of my turning point where I felt to myself, okay, these things that I'm writing and these things that I'm talking about on the page, you know, it's, it's good. It's good. It's not Mm -hmm. something that I should shy away from sharing because that was what it was for me for a long time. I just thought, you know, because I wasn't doing all these different poetic devices or doing these very kind of by the numbers styles, Mm -hmm. then it wasn't good enough to be, in a book or for anyone to really look at because this is just sloppy me writing stuff down on a page. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of my turning point into it. And even after that, I mean, you know, it still took me many years to sit down with myself and again, really start writing all the time uh, whenever sort of inspiration struck. Mm. And then it took all those years of writing that poetry, you know, five plus years of me churning it in my head and mm. finally telling myself, okay, this like, you need to share this. You need to get this out. Because again, even with all that in my head, you know, I still thought maybe this isn't good enough to, to give to anyone or to put out there for anyone to read. So really like that's been the biggest like struggle for me is just feeling like what I'm doing is good enough to be put out in a public space. Mm-hmm. Uh, And I think it's something a lot of people struggle with. Mm. And so, you know, my biggest thing I always tell people now that I've done it is just, you know, no matter what you're doing, like, I mean, take the steps, have it edited, have it proofed, send it to friends, get feedback. But, you know, don't feel like you have to hide things away because you feel like it might not be good enough for one reason or another. I think you know, at the end of the day, there's always value that at least a few people will get out of your writing, you know, no matter how much you sell or how much you you kind of market or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, my takeaway is always just if one or two people get something out of it, like that's good enough for me. Like, I love that. 
because obviously it means that I'm writing on at least some kind of level because someone's connecting with it, which mm. means there's like an emotionality, obviously, that's that's there, that's connecting with someone. Judgment is such a, a fear for so many people. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, n- not just social anxiety in, in see- being around other people, but the thoughts those people might be having about you. And I always, I always remember something my dad said to me, which has helped me a lot, was people have their own narrative and your mistakes are not necessarily going to be remembered by them because they don't fit into the narrative. So mm-hmm. if you make a mistake, that's okay. People probably won't remember it anyway. <laughs> Exactly. No, I, that's that's a really great point because uh, I can remember from a, from my small amount of time when I was younger and I was learning to play the guitar. Mm. I had this really good guitar teacher who would uh, who would always tell. He's like he would tell me. He's like you know when you watch like a live performance at like a concert, you know they're making mistakes left and right. Mm. But he said they're not stopping because yeah. like when I. When I used to play, like that's what would happen to me. I remember I'd I'd mess up and I'd just stop playing. I'd get frustrated, yeah. and he'd be like, "You know, that's not what they're that's not what they're doing on stage." And he said, "They're doing it all the time." Mm-hmm. He said, "But you don't notice because they keep going." <laughs> you know, there's nothing you're ever going to do that's going to be perfect, mm-hmm. but each time you do it and you keep getting better, that's what's going to happen. What was some of the readers' feedback like? Was was that helpful? Do you incorporate it in in the work you do now? Yeah, I mean, I I've been getting a lot of really solid feedback from a lot of people. I mean, a lot of like friends and family uh have picked it up and you know, even people that I haven't talked to in years, just old acquaintances and stuff uh mm. have been just telling me, you know, there's been a lot of stuff that that they've connected with, that they've gone through themselves that they feel like, you know, it really speaks to for them. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's been this interesting sort of surreal journey where you know a lot of these things I thought were just me (laughs) you know like going through all this hardship and stuff and it's just like wow like a lot of people that I didn't expect that have have had the similar trials and tribulations in life that I've had and it's fascinating because you know it's it's not something that I feel a lot of people feel comfortable talking about but once you sort of put it out into the ether it sort of opens up those conversations. And I think that's great because I think a lot of people need that first little push to then say these things that they're feeling because otherwise, you know, I think it kind of stays bottled up with a lot of people because they just are either afraid or feel like they really can't talk about it because no one else is. That's a wonderful, a wonderful thing to be able to provide for people. From the beginning, I mean, it really started as a place of just solace and catharsis for me sort of processing my relationships in life and how they went kind of and they were very tumultuous and went kind of bad and everything so it's it's cool to see the full circle effect of just this was my way of healing and now that other people are experiencing it it's kind of become a place for other people to have healing in their own like issues and stuff because while they might not be exactly parallel, mm. you know, there's similarities that people draw from the from the writing. And I think that helps with that path of just moving beyond it. Because mm. for me, it was a long, long road. I mean, it took many, many years to kind of move past. What are the next steps for you? You mentioned that you're a filmmaker as well as a poet. Where do you think you're going next creatively? 
on the film side of things, you know, I last year I, I finished up my first feature film script. So as of right now, I'm working on the pitch to get producers involved and try to get investors into the film so I can do that correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also, I, I've been working with uh, an online music magazine and I recently wrote an article for them about like a local radio station mm-hmm. uh, that ex- was really popular, existed, went away. And it's kind of ballooned into this, like I'm noticing the same pattern sort of happened with all these other radio stations across the country. So I think there's a really interesting story for a feature documentary that, uh, that I really am like looking into and I'm researching right now. So there's that project. Uh, and then I'm also writing my first novel right now, mm-hmm. which I'm up to, I think this morning I just wrote chapter 14 of that. So I'm on like chapter 15 nice. uh, of that, which is another self-reflective piece sort of chronicling my life with my relationships, love life, and then also my work as a videographer and all these different events and things like that. So it's sort of a piecemealed representation of that story. It's not really a linear story. It sort of jumps all over time periods in my life. Mm, nice. um, so I'm working on that. Uh, and so, yeah, so those are the, the kind of the projects I'm doing right now. <laughs> Bit of a workaholic. <laughs> <laughs> You've really, you have not slowed down. This this pandemic has not slowed you down. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm I'm trying my best. Other otherwise, like we said before, we we jumped on here. It's yeah. it's boredom. <laughs> yeah. As somebody who loves radio, um, I would be very interested in reading or watching a documentary about radio stations. That's something that sounds amazing. Do you have mm-hmm. any advice for new? writers new poets in your case um and and novelists what would you say to them well i mean i would tell anybody out there just i think i really struggled for a long time with just the constant you'd start writing or start a project Mm -hmm. and as soon as you would start getting into it you'd sort of second guess yourself and then you would sort of walk away from it so i'd say you know one of the biggest things that helps me out is like first thinking of like your plan So, you know, really having like, so if you want to tell like a fictional story of something in a dystopian future, for example, Mm. you know, have your characters set, have your story beats set, all of that, because the more you sort of plan out those elements, the less likelihood that you're going to hit that barrier where you're going to second guess yourself and stop. And even if you hit speed bumps, you'll at least know where you're going. So you can always adjust as you go. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a like a solid plan in place, then you are going to, you know, really fall into the the pitfalls of possibly not finishing it or making it a few pages in and just kind of stopping yourself because you think what you're doing isn't good enough. Yeah. But that's what I would say is just like before you go into anything, plan, 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 you know, have like a I, I like to have like visual representation. So like have like a big, you know caulk board or just like something you can write on that that you can write all the story beats onto or write all Mm -hmm. the character bios onto and that way you always have that to look to so like if you're trying to set up a story situation you can say well you know this character is 
is very aggressive and they, and they really just go head first into, into danger. So I know when we're getting ready to fight someone, they're going to be the first ones jumping into the scene to, to do what they got to do. Mm-hmm. So like those little things will just help inform you of like where your story is going to go as you're making it up and everything. So yeah, I'd say just, just plan away as much as you can before you even touch the keyboard Mm-hmm. Because that way you won't be running into your limitations too quickly. Mm-hmm. I, that is a wonderful bit of advice. And that's what it is. You just have this moment of just like, oh my goodness, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> I had ideas and now they are gone. <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly. Yep. I, I had a I had a really great uh, screenwriting teacher who always said like, the best ideas are the ones I haven't written on page. Because like in your mind, it all seems perfect. Yeah. But then the second you start typing it out, you you like realize like flaws and everything like that. Yep. So that's why the planning is so important because, you know, it does. It all seems perfect in your mind. The mm. real test is when you have to then translate that to the paper. <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> so where can our listeners go to see more of you and, and your work? Yeah, so I I say the easiest thing is to go to to my website, uh, which is twotonyproductions.com, dot com, mm-hmm. and that's t o t o n y productions dot com, mm-hmm. and there you'll be able to find all my film stuff, all my writing stuff, uh, and just bios. And then if you want to reach out, there's a contact form on there, and then links to all the socials, so like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's, it's the one-stop shop for everything I like to say. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming to speak to us today. This has been an absolute, just a delight. <laughs> of course. I really appreciate you having me. It's an honor to just, to just be here and be able to chat about everything. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. You can see more of Daniel's work on his website. I'll leave a link in the description. If you have a story you'd like us to read or a topic you'd like us to cover, then contact us through our Facebook page or Twitter and subscribe if you would like to hear more. This has been a Yorick Radio production.